Welcome to A Disciple's Point of View, a podcast where we go over a variety of topics related to Christianity. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this special edition of A Disciple's Point of View. So taking a break from Eternal Life 101 to talk about something that's quite interesting that I have found and that may or may not be a speed bump or a birth pang on the way to the fulfillment of Bible prophecy. And this is something I didn't even think about or see until I saw a screenshot of a news story that then led me to research this topic that made me go, huh, this very well could be the development of something huge in terms of Bible prophecy. So again, I want to basically do something like this every now and again. Of course, you know, I think I've been doing it a lot lately, but I think it also speaks of the lateness of the hour and what is going on. But basically this new development that I want to kind of share with, with you, and some of you in my audience probably have already heard me talk about this um, have, and have researched it with me, is something called the D10. You may be going, what is that? Well, it's not really a term that I'd heard of very often at all. I have heard of the G7. The G7 is, or the group of seven, according to Wikipedia, is an intergovernmental political forum consisting of Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, the United Kingdom, and the United States. Its members are the world's largest IMF and advanced economies and wealthy liberal democracies. The group is officially organized around shared values of pluralism and representative government, right? So basically they just get together and try to talk about how we can best affect our world and how we can best work together about stuff. Well, apparently, um, as early as late last year, I guess an idea was born probably around 2008. And this idea of the D10 was picked up by the Atlantic Council, which is something that is a think tank in the field of international affairs favoring something called Atlanticism, founded in 1961. It merges 10 regional centers, that's quite interesting, and functional programs related to international security and global economic prosperity, and it's headquartered in Washington, D.C. So basically, this idea of the D10 was actually um, founded from the Atlantic Council, which then launched an initiative in 2014 to maintain a rules-based democratic order under the leadership of 10 leading democracies. And then fast forward to December of 2020, and I'm just going to read a little bit of this Washington Post article. And it says, there may be a new kid on the block in 2021. This week, British Prime Minister... Boris Johnson indicated that he will travel next month to India with a grand project in mind. Following on the comments made in earlier in the year, Johnson intends to invite the leaders of India, Australia, and South Korea to the 2021 summit of the Group of Seven Nations, or the G7 Nations, which Britain is hosting. For Johnson, it's an early occasion to show that even without the umbrella of the European Union, post-Brexit Britain can be a global player, in this instance by working with a group of like-minded democracies to advance shared interests and tackle common challenges. So it follows the same idea of the G7. Here's why it's relevant and why it's interesting. And again, 
This could very well just simply be a speed bump or this could be a birth pang. And the difference is obviously this is just an interesting development that may or may not go along with the trend of Bible prophecy. Or it could be a birth pang that this is a prelude for something to come. So we're going to go to Revelation 17 real quick where it specifically talks about 10 kings, starting in verse 12. And the 10 horns you saw are 10 kings who have not received, or I'm sorry, not yet received royal power, but they are to receive authority as kings for one hour together with the beast. These are of one mind and they hand over their power and authority to the beast. They will make war on the lamb and the lamb will conquer them for he is the Lord of Lord and King of Kings and those with him are called and chosen and faithful. So and I'm going to go ahead and backtrack then to Revelation 13 to put it in its proper context. Okay, so in Revelation 13, starting in verse 7, so the Apostle John is sitting here talking about the beast, right? The beast as when you study through the book of Revelation, you realize that the beast is actually talking about the Antichrist, or basically the one who will rise up and try to be the Messiah to the Jewish people and to then emulate Satan's desire to say, I will be like the Most High, right? But he will fall very much flat on his face. But in Revelation 13, verse 7, it says, Also it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. Now keep in mind, it is referring to the beast or the Antichrist. So let me read that again. Also it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. And authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation. And all those who dwell on the earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written in the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. I kind of had to start, I uh, started getting tongue-tied, so I had to paraphrase it a little bit. But you can go back through and read it yourself. Basically, this idea of the D10 could, I'm, I'm emphasizing could, be a fulfillment of the formulation of Revelation 17, verses 12 through 14, and how the beast or the Antichrist will rule and yield power over the entire world. But the thing of it is, as I understandably it says in Revelation 17, they have not yet received royal power, and they are to receive authority as kings for one hour. I don't think it means one literal hour, just like uh, the 77's prophecy in Daniel chapter 9. It didn't mean... Uh, just random sevens, or in other translations, it says 70 weeks of years. And we know from Leviticus, I believe it's 26, um, it actually translated it that a week is seven years. So a biblical week when it's talking about this, and especially in terms of Bible prophecy, it's talking about a seven-year period. For one hour is a biblical way of saying for a very short time. Now, here's the thing. These D10 nations... That are being proposed okay they're being proposed these are not people who rule the world right in some ways they don't even necessarily rule the countries they come from because these are supposed to be the 10 top democracies in the world and they consist of or at least are going to be proposed to be consisting of australia canada france germany india italy japan South Korea, United Kingdom, United States, and the European Union. So none of those probably jump to mind as being totalitarian in nature, right? But they yield together 
are going to yield quite a bit of influence. The only ones that are not listed are China and Russia, which obviously, if you follow world affairs to any degree whatsoever, China and Russia have a different philosophy on governance than, say, all these countries that I just mentioned. They have a very vastly different idea, right? And so the reason why this is also relevant is something called the Great Reset. Now, there have been a lot of people in the media that have been trying to basically debunk this idea that this is any kind of world development, that, you know, it's a myth, this isn't really a real thing, and all this and that. Here's the, here's the problem with that. We have something called the internet, meaning that we can go and research anything. And I am actually on the World Economic Forum's website. They are basically the progenitors of this idea of the Great Reset. And I am reading this from their website. So this is not a conspiracy theory. I'm reading their own words. And their own words are this. And it has in big bold letters, the Great Reset. It says there is an urgent need for global stakeholders to cooperate in simultaneously managing the direct consequences of the COVID-19 crisis. So they're utilizing, obviously, <laughs> there was a saying, I don't know who said it, but never let a good crisis go to waste, right? So they're utilizing this idea of the COVID-19 pandemic as a way to reshape how things are done. And notice the verbiage, there's an urgent need so already it's like, you know, we have to do this now kind of thing in the way it's worded for global stakeholders. That's pretty much everybody. You have a stake. You're a stakeholder. If you have any kind of need or benefit from the world around you to be able to just simply live. So basically, it's a way to say there is an urgent need for everyone to cooperate and simultaneously managing the direct consequences of the COVID-19 crisis to improve the state of the world. The World Economic Forum is starting the Great Reset Initiative. They're saying it right there in black and white. Now here's, here's the context. It literally says the context, and I'm reading this word for word. The COVID-19 crisis and the political, economic, and social disruptions it has caused is fundamentally changing the traditional context for decision-making. The inconsistencies, inadequacies, and contradictions of multiple systems, from healthcare to financial to energy and education, are more expressed than ever amidst a global context of concern for lives, livelihoods, and the planet, leaders find themselves at a historic crossroads managing short-term pressures against medium and long-term uncertainties. All that to say, basically, obviously, the COVID-19 pandemic has fundamentally changed the world in which we live in, right? The key thing is the inconsistencies, inadequacies, inadequacies, I'm sorry, inadequacies and contradictions of multiple systems. They're talking about different governments. That's what they're talking about. They're basically saying, because we have conflicting ways in which we live and in which we govern and in which we do our uh, economy and the way we do our healthcare, it's all contradictory. We need to stop doing that from health to financial to energy and education are more exposed than ever amidst the global context for concern. 
that's the context. It's right there. It's their words. They are wanting to basically reshape this into a global governance in which by, whereby we can become more sustainable. Here, here under their own heading, it says the opportunity. As we enter a unique window of opportunity to, re to shape the recovery, this initiative will offer insights to help inform all those determining the future state of global relations, the direction of national economies, the priorities of societies, the nature of business models, and the management of global commons, drawing from the vision and vast expertise of the leaders engaged across the forum's communities, the Great Reset Initiative has a set of dimensions to build a new social contract that honors the dignity of every human being. And this is going to play directly into the next thing that I want to bring up, and that is Agenda 2030. Now, you may be thinking, okay, disciple, you've gone off the deep end. This is some conspiracy theory stuff. Nope. This is off the United Nations website. This is a UN initiative. And it actually, their heading says, and you know what? I'm going to keep all these archived links. If you wish to see these, just email me, tweet me, however you want to get in touch with me that I've made available on my bio. And I'll be happy to send you these archived links because I have a feeling they're going to change as things go on. Anyway, it says, Transforming Our World, the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. The preamble, it's kind of long. I'm going to read some of it, though, to give you proper context, because obviously it's the preamble into this Agenda 2030. This agenda is a plan of action for people, planet, and prosperity. It also seeks to strengthen universal peace and larger freedom. We recognize that eradicating poverty in all its forms and dimensions, including extreme poverty, is the greatest global challenge and an indispensable requirement for sustainable development. All countries and all stakeholders acting in collaborative partnership will implement this plan. We are resolved to free the human race from the tyranny of poverty and want to heal and structure our planet. We are determined to take the broad and transformative steps which are urgently needed to shift the world onto a sustainable and resilient path. As we embark on this collective journey, we pledge that no one will be left behind. The 17 sustainable goals and 169 targets, which we are announcing today, demonstrate the scale and ambition of this new universal agenda. They seek to build on the Millennium Development Goals and to compete what those did not achieve. They seek to realize the human rights of all and achieve gender equality and the empowerment of all women and all girls. They are integrated and indivisible and the balance of three dimensions of sustainable, sustainable development, the economic, social, and environment. The goals and targets will stimulate action over the next 15 years in areas critical, I'm sorry, in the, in areas of critical importance for humanity and the planet. And it goes into these 17 sustainable development goals. The trick here is, is to really pay attention to some of the wording that's used, right? All countries and all stakeholders acting in collaborative partnership will implement this plan. This was devised in around 2015. Hence, at the very end, when they're talking about over the next 15 years. We're at 2021, folks. What do we currently see in the world? We saw the defeat of Donald Trump in the United States, right? And what did Joe Biden immediately do? He put back into place everything that Obama had worked towards, 
that President Obama had worked towards. Trump reversed everything, but Biden, one of the first things he did was he put us back on course into that. Why? We see open borders within the United States of America. Why is that? Because we have to get rid of nations. If all countries and all stakeholders acting in collaborative partnership will implement this plan to, you know, and, and basically they're working to be able to free the the human population of poverty, right? And to try to make everybody equal, everybody equal. That sounds good, doesn't it? That sounds wonderful. What happens when human beings try to implement stuff like this apart from God? Not good things. Typically what happens is, is because we are talking about the implementation with the Great Reset via the World Economic Forum and Agenda 2030 through the United Nations, they're trying to implement worldwide socialism. And I'm not saying that to try to scare anybody per se or to, you know, make the uh, the boogeyman of communism if you're of the Cold War era or even heard about it. Or you think, oh, here's just some other guy who, you know, he wants to talk about the evils of communism. No, I'm talking about it directly from Bible prophecy. And authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation, and all who dwell on the earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. That's what we're talking about here. We're talking about a definite, definitive movement towards the Bible being fulfilled literally. And the thing of it is, is being done under the auspices that we have a crisis in COVID-19. We need immediate action to be able to address the inconsistencies, inadequacies, contradictions of multiple systems to for the concern of lives, livelihoods, and the planet. And we go back into what I just read with Agenda 2030 with the United Nations. And we are moving towards a one world government where everybody will follow the same thing, will follow the same leader, will come under one head to their own destruction. And here's the icing on the cake, so to speak, right? The COVID-19 vaccine mandates that have been coming down, not only here in the United States, but all across the world, all across the world. There is, um, in, in, in Australia, there is a province or a state or whatever, uh, Victoria. They're going to initiate such austere mandates that they will exclude people who can be vaccinated but choose not to be from virtually every aspect of life. That is something we would not have heard about five years ago. It's this idea of going with the collective good, right? Again, I'm going to read this again from Agenda 2030. All countries and all stakeholders acting in collaborative partnership will implement this plan. There's no choice here. They're saying we will implement this plan. And again, I have archived links because I do, I want this information to be preserved as it is. I'm going to create archived links how they are today. Contact me if you want to get those links. I may even put them on the website that I utilize to be able to put uh, um, the, the, the gospel presentation that I actually have in written format. Because this is wild stuff, man. We are seeing the fulfillment of Bible prophecy happening. 
right here, right now, we've got the D10 forming. We've got the Great Reset Initiative. They have on their own website. And we have Agenda 2030 that the United Nations and the member nations of the United Nations are working towards. That's why we see a fundamental shift. That's why also we see this huge um, reaction to climate change. Do I think climate change is a thing? I do. Because I think that's part of the end time signs and scenarios that we're seeing. We're seeing um, a bunch of stuff that was prophesied by Jesus in Matthew 24. That we're going to see great signs in the heavens and, and in the earth, right? To signal that we're coming to the end of days. The thing of it is, is that people want to make another issue out of it altogether and say, man, is causing this climate change. We need to, I'm going to say it again to come together acting in collaborative partnerships to implement this plan of climate change to combat the, the, the imminent destruction of the earth. The thing of it is, I'm old enough to remember global warming. I'm, I'm old enough to remember the melting of the ice caps. I am uh, old enough to remember the depletion of the ozone layer, okay? Those were things that were promised that were going to happen in the late 80s and early 90s that did not end up seeing fruition, right? We're seeing increased hurricanes. We're seeing increased um, weather patterns. We're seeing increased uh, volcanic activity. We're seeing increased earthquakes and all this and that. It's not climate change. It's biblical signs that Jesus is coming. I mean, you know, you could look at it one of two ways. It's kind of like you could either believe in eternal matter or you can believe in eternal God. There's one or the other, Okay. Either there was eternal matter that just somehow formed and created everything we see around us, which sounds kind of crazy. Of course, you know, if you're a staunch believer in evolution, you make it make sense in your own mind. Or you can believe that there's a God who orchestrated all of this and that there's design behind everything. Like Richard Dawkins would say, there's only the appearance of design, <laughs> which to me is kind of crazy. His thought process is we... we infer design and everything. The thing of it is, is we just simply recognize it's there, right? So we could either choose to see that climate change is an actual sign of God to push us to repentance, to make us understand that the end is upon us. And there's all kinds of Bible prophecy about what the end is going to be about. I'm just here to tell you that basically some of the signs that we're seeing that are huge on its surface that most people aren't even thinking about are here. They are here at the doors. There's one Bible prophecy teacher by the name of Tom Hughes that always reminds his audience that Jesus said, whenever you see these things start to happen, look up for your redemption draws near. I think Jesus is at the gates, and I know that people have been saying that for decades. But you know what? Ever since Israel became a nation again in 1948, against all odds, the Jewish people regathered into the land as prophesied, according to Ezekiel 37, Ezekiel 36, I'm sorry, Ezekiel 36, Ezekiel 37, the end of Ezekiel 39, um, Jeremiah 31, Daniel chapter 9, and then Isaiah 53 in uh, fulfillment of what Jesus would actually do for us on the cross. There's also some verbiage in um, Isaiah chapter 11 where the people would be regathered into the land, the, the people being the Jewish people back into the land of Israel for the second time. At that point, the people had yet to be taken away in the Babylonian captivity. And then, obviously, the Jewish people got booted out of the land in 70 AD by the Romans. And in 1948, they were allowed to come back in fulfillment of Bible prophecy and all this stuff that's going on. So I urge you, I urge you, please, 
please receive Jesus Christ. Believe upon him. And I'm going to tell you how to do that right now. At this point in the podcast, I want to reach out to you. And if you have never done so, if you have never entered into a saving relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to do that today. All you need to do is believe. Believe that Jesus was who he said he was. He was God in the flesh. Believe in your heart that he died for your sins and rose from the dead. Confess him as Lord. And the Bible says that you will be saved if you do that. If you truly believe in your heart that Jesus is who he said he was and that he did exactly what he said he would do for you, you will be saved. It is simply that easy. A lot of people say prayer, prayer. And that's great to confess and put your mind and your heart and everything through a process, if you will, to be able to embody what's already taken place in your heart. By simply saying, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins. I believe in my heart that you were raised from the dead. And now I confess you as Lord. Please take control of my life. And I want to follow you for the rest of my days. In Jesus name I pray. Amen. That's all you need to do. And your life will change. Your life will change, not necessarily materially, not necessarily in terms of the world, but your life will change as far as your relationship with God. And you can know for certain that you're saved. The Apostle John wrote that when he was pinning 1 John. He says, I write these things to you that you may know that you have eternal life. Not that you can hope, not that you can wonder, but that you can know. Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. I want to thank you so much for listening to my podcast today. If you'd like to get in touch with me for any reason, I have the links for the social networks that I am connected on in my bio for this podcast. I'm also available at Gmail at DisciplePOV, that's D-I-S-C-I-P-L-E-P-O-V at gmail.com. If you have anything that you would like to convey to me, such as something you agree with, something you don't, or anything else, or if you did receive the Lord Jesus Christ into your life, I'd love to hear from you today and to assist you on your new eternal journey.